footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cave. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening, and welcome to your nightmares, where we like to keep things dark and dreamy here at Dark Softly Tales. I'm your host, Mav, and happy Easter to those who celebrate it. Since the Easter Bunny is front and center this week, I decided to pause on our tales inspired from the Great Famine of 1315 and focus on a little urban legend lore, such as the Bunny Man. Before we go there, I wanted to take a second and check in with everyone. How are you feeling? We just had a full moon, which usually intensifies emotions a little. It's a scary time, and I think just about everyone I know is feeling anxious. I am keeping busy with this podcast, trying to get back into editing my small town crime novel, getting outside to exercise and meditate, but still, even with all of that, I find my nightmares have increased and just the general feeling of anxiety. Just remember that if you're feeling that way out there, you are not alone and we're all in this together. So let's talk about one of my favorite subjects of all time. I love urban legends and one that continues to intrigue me is the legend of the bunny man. There are several legends about him. Some say that in the early 1900s, a bus carrying patients from a mental health hospital crashed in the woods. The patients escaped, and after that, town folk would often find bunnies hanging from ropes on tree branches in the forest. Another story is that the bunny man escaped to a tunnel beneath a train track, and on Halloween, he stalks and massacres teens who go to party there. But there's other stories, the Lover Lane type stories, about a young couple driving home late at night, get in an argument, pull over on the side of the road, and then the bunny man appears. This is the legend that I decided to expand on when I wrote Bloody Blue Scarf. In my mind, I saw it old Hollywood style with a couple of innocent kids and a spat. What happens next? no one could have ever suspected. For those who are interested, you can find this story, along with a few others, and a full Mav Sky edition of the actual legends in my book, Three Tales to Chill Your Bones, Volume 4, Bunny Man. You can find it by going to Amazon, typing in my name, and the word Bunny Man. Or you can look in the show notes. I had a little fun with the music this week. Um, Let me know if you like it. I really had a lot of fun. It takes a little time to make the chords go together, so I don't know if I'm going to do it very often, but it was fun, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Thanks so much for supporting this lovely creature of 1,000 imaginations, one of which is yours. Let's meet the bunny man, shall we? 
take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. Bloody Blue Scarf by Mav Sky. The 69 Dodge Charger handled like a dream. It glided along old Sherman Road, bathed in pure moonlight. Eddie rolled down his window and glanced at Tippy. Her hair was tied back in a baby blue scarf, old Hollywood style. She messed with the songs on his iPod, finally settling on Mazzy's SARS, Fade Into You. Eddie glanced away. It was such a pity a beautiful night had to be wasted in an argument. Are you going to organize my music all night, or are you going to say something? To the left of Sherman Road, cornfields waved like a green sea beneath the moon. Wildwoods to the right of the road loomed tall and silent. Tippy folded her arms, peeked his way, not meeting his eyes. I don't have anything to say, and I don't want to talk about it. I just want to go home. But we promised to stop at the Fishers tonight. They're just down the way here. Eddie had gotten off work early and gone straight to Tippy's. They'd spent the afternoon drinking coffee, singing to the radio, and making stew for the poor elderly Fishers who had the flu. Tippy worked at Visiting Angels part-time while going to school and stopped by their home a few times a week to help with housework and bathing Mrs. Fisher. She pouted, I'll bring the stew to them tomorrow. But you promised tonight. Why are you so angry anyway? I thought we had a lovely day. Tippy crossed her legs and turned back to him. That was before you told me who your new partner was. God, Eddie. Eddie frowned and slowed the car on the old country road. He knew Shannon was going to be a sore point between them. I already told you, Tip. She means nothing to me. Besides, she's not my partner. Shannon's my assistant. There's a difference. Right. Shannon Albright had left for L.A. straight out of high school. She modeled for a few years, got herself pregnant, lost the baby and her slim waist, and came back home. Her waist may no longer be a size zero, but she was still the prettiest girl in town. All the guys were after her, but she seemed to only have eyes for Eddie. He was shocked when she was hired on as his new assistant at his grandfather's used bookshop, though he told his grandfather a dozen times he didn't need one, and more importantly, couldn't afford one. Tippy turned to him. Shannon Albright can sweet-talk any man at any age into whatever she wants, and you know it. She even talked your grandfather into a job, and he won't even speak to me. Well, honey, I think you know why, but I didn't run over his dog that night. I'm starting to think you don't believe me either. Of course I believe you, Tip, but he swears he saw your car. Gah! I've never even squashed a spider. I can't even swat a fly. Everyone knows that. Everyone. So why does he insist? She turned to the window, the heat of her glare hot enough to melt through the glass. James Southers has a car just like mine, but all beat up. And your grandfather's sight isn't too good these days. And I just know it was him. Eddie spotted a driveway 50 feet ahead. 
He dimmed the lights as he turned off Sherman Road. The Dodge slipped into a wooded area on an old dirt path and stopped in front of a sagging gate with a no trespassing sign. Eddie hadn't seen a single car on Old Sherman Road that night, and he figured it was about time he and Tippy had a good talk. Why are you stopping the car? Eddie braced himself. He liked Tippy. A lot. In fact, he thought maybe even he wanted to marry her. He was attracted to Shannon, sure, but he also knew that she was a dimwit with me, me, me practically tattooed on her forehead. Tippy was gorgeous in an old-fashioned way. She had an old-fashioned kindness about her, and she cared about people, and that was the kind of woman he'd envisioned himself settling down with, which brought up the other thought that was bugging him. It had been bugging him the last two weeks. Tippy was finishing up her classes at the end of the month, and she'd been applying for nursing jobs in Seattle. He had already signed a contract stating he'd stay and take care of his grandfather's bookshop. He couldn't move but he couldn't bear the thought of never seeing Tippy again either. Because we need to talk, Tippy. But I've already told you, there's nothing to talk. What's that? Tippy pointed out the windshield to the front of the car. Eddie was still formulating what he wanted to say. Listen, I don't want to talk about Shannon, actually. I'd like to talk about something else that's been on my mind. If you'll hear me out. I can't figure it out for the life of me. Are those little ghosts hanging from the trees? It is October after all. So odd. She pointed out the windshield. Her face was all squinty and cute. Eddie didn't bother to look. He didn't want to talk about ghosts or goblins or his grandfather's dead dog. Tip, I'm serious here. There's something I need to talk about with you, and it's weighing heavily on my mind. The way the words came out made him sound old-fashioned, too, like a gentleman from a 1950s movie. Jimmy Stewart came to mind. Eddie pictured himself in a suit and a fedora. He'd wrap his hands around Timmy's tiny waist and whisper, Come here, baby. I'm gonna kiss ya. Tippy said, Hold on a minute. I think they might be... Little bunny rabbits. Bunny rabbits hanging from the trees. They can't be real, can they? Eddie, look! Tippy pointed out the window again and glanced at him. This time, her darling blue eyes stayed with his instead of looking away. Concern softened her face, and she tilted her head sideways. Eddie? He reached for her warm hand and pressed it against his chest. The words that slipped out of his lips surprised them both. Marry me, Tippy. Startled, Tippy withdrew her hand and touched her lips. What? She looked away, glanced back at him, and pulled a scarf out of her hair. She folded it in her lap. He snatched her hand back. Marry me. A smile grazed her lips. And then a frown. She took her hand back again. If this is about Shannon... He stole away her blue scarf and dangled it out the window. Looky there, Eddie said. Your name's embroidered on it and everything. Hey, give it back. Shannon giggled and reached over him, trying to retrieve it. He kept it out of her reach, enjoying the feel of her breasts 
pressing against him. Shannon means as much to me as this old scarf. Hey, Eddie, I like that scarf. He dropped it, and she shrieked like a little girl. Tippy leapt off of her seat and over him, reaching her hand out the window to try to catch the scarf before it hit the ground. Eddie laughed and wrapped his arms around her waist and kissed her full on the mouth. After a second, she kissed him back. Afterwards, Tippy sank into his shoulder and he held onto her tightly. He whispered in her ear, is that a yes? She pulled back playfully, ran her fingers up his cheekbones. Retrieve my scarf, young man, and I'll answer the question. Yes, ma'am. He kissed her again, harder this time, and she kissed him eagerly back. He couldn't help but peek as her skirt bunched up around her thighs. Tippy drew black playfully. My scarf? Two seconds. She shifted back into her seat as he opened the car door, stepped out, and grabbed up the silky blue scarf. He picked off little pine needles clinging to it, hoping she wouldn't be too mad about them. Eddie? Tippy's voice was soft and very untippy-like. She sounded afraid. Eddie glanced up at her and froze. slender white sheet stood at the passenger door. Eddie blinked and realized it wasn't a ghost, but a rabbit. Long ears stood like cones from the top of his head. Eyes black as coals had been stitched in as well as a nose and a double smile mouth. Some home-sewn costume smuggled from an attic. The costume didn't startle Eddie as much as the object the rabbit held. A rusty axe with its edges sharpened to a gleam. It spoke in a monotone voice. You're trespassing. Didn't you read the sign? Eddie? Tippy squealed in a quiet voice. Uh. Eddie gulped and dropped the blue scarf without realizing it. He spread his fingers in front of him, much like he did when calming an angry customer at the bookshop though that didn't happen often. Uh, I'm sorry, sir. We truly didn't mean to. Don't say that. The bunny man lifted his axe and smashed in Tippy's window. The glass shattered into thousands of pieces. Held together by the tinted film Eddie had applied himself just this last summer, Tippy let out one of those old-fashioned screams you'd only catch in the movies, then said, Eddie, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car, get in the car. Eddie was already in the car, cranking the motor over, and, of course, the car wouldn't start. The buddy man waved his axe. Don't you lie to me when you plainly saw that sign. He swung his axe again, this time shattering the window into the car. Tippy screamed and practically leapt into Eddie's lap just as the car finally started. Eddie slammed the car into reverse as the bunny man reached in through the passenger window and grabbed a handful of Tippy's hair. Tippy bit his finger. In fact, she bit it so hard, it came off as Eddie retreated, turbo speed, onto the main road. Tippy screamed and threw the finger into Eddie's lap. Eddie yelped, Jesus, Tippy! 
She was crying now. I didn't know what else to do. He picked up the finger, dropped it, then Tippy snatched it off the car floor and threw it out her window. Eddie messed with the gear shift. The car kept spluttering. The bunny man roared, picked up Tippy's blue scarf. I know who you are, Miss Tippy Hodges, and I'll be coming for you, Tippy. Eddie jammed the car into first, lifted his foot off the clutch, hit the gas, and they blasted off into the night. Tippy wept into her hands, the bunny man's blood covering the front of her dainty blouse. Tippy, I left my cell at home. Where's yours? It's out of batteries, Eddie said. The fishers are just up the road. We'll call the police. He'll be gone, she cried. It's gonna get me, Eddie. He's got my scarf, and now he knows my name. When they reached the Fishers, Mrs. Fisher comforted Tippy, while Eddie and Mr. Fisher phoned the police, or tried to anyway. The line was dead when Eddie began to dial. Mr. Fisher shook his head and put his hands on his hips. Seems the line's out. Windstorm's always blowing the trees down on the line. Tippy ran into the kitchen, followed by Mrs. Fisher. Did you call them? Are the police on their way? Eddie and Mr. Fisher turned to her grimly. Mr. Fisher glanced at his wife and shook his head. The line's down. Mrs. Fisher pressed a tissue to her mouth, worry edging the crow's feet of her eyes. What will we do? Tippy said. It's him. I know it. The bunny man's cut the line. Eddie grabbed Tippy by the shoulders. You've got to calm down, Tip. Think. There's no way the bunny man could have gotten here so fast. We both know that. Course, said Mr. Fisher. There's a path through the forest that the deer and coyote made. Leads right from old Sherman Road to the farm here. I suppose he could have. What? cried Eddie and Tippy at the same time. I need a gun. Mr. Fisher, you must have a gun. Ah, sure do, son. Mr. Fisher pulled a pistol out of the back of his trousers and cocked the hammer, pointing it at Eddie. And I think you need to sit down. Eddie put his hands up. Mr. Fisher, you've got the wrong guy here. Mr. Fisher! Tippy put her hands on her waist, reprimanding him like she would a child. She had spent countless hours clipping his toenails after all. Eddie had heard all about the nasty fungus that grew between his toes. She said, What do you think you are? Sit down, kids, and I mean it. He pointed the pistol at Tippy as she approached him, and she stopped on the spot, shocked. Eddie said, Mr. Fisher, I don't know what you think this is, but there is a man out there. No, he's not a man. He is the bunny man. Mr. Fisher finished Eddie's sentence for him. You know? cried Tippy. Shh, said Mrs. Fisher. She placed a hand on Tippy's shoulder. Eddie's eyes widened at what she held in the other hand, a kitchen knife, sharpened, no doubt. Now listen, children, 
From behind, Mrs. Fisher gripped Tippy by the shoulders and moved her very gently to a kitchen chair and sat her down. He really isn't a mean beast, but every so often, the urge hits him. Tippy shook and cried into her bloody hands. Mrs. Fisher said, and we figured out years ago, it was just better to feed it than to let it rampage the farm. Isn't that right? She glanced at Mr. Fisher. Sure thing. You see, the curious thing. Mr. Fisher scratched his fuzzy chin with his free hand and waved the gun to help emphasize the point. He doesn't like goat or horse meat as much, though on occasion we think he likes to eat bunnies. Strings him up all over tarnation. Nope, he only likes the human kind of meat. But it's not very often, said Mrs. Fisher. Only once a year or so. Eddie, flabbergasted, said, Are you saying you planned this? Mr. and Mrs. Fisher glanced at each other and both said, Uh-huh, at the same time. Tippy leapt from her chair and turned to Mrs. Fisher. But you said you were sick with the flu. Easy, girl. Mrs. Fisher held the knife point at Tippy's throat. I'm perfectly well, thank you. And it's you who shall go in the bunny man stew. The old woman cackled like a witch. Then a noise on the porch stopped her mid-cackle. Heavy footsteps pounded outside the front door. And everyone fell silent. Footsteps stopped, and even after a full moment, there wasn't a noise to be heard. The lights went out in the house, soaking everyone in fear. Well, this ain't right, said Mrs. Fisher. He knows the rules about waiting out in the woods. The candle lit up. Mr. Fisher held it in one hand, the gun in the other, as he edged along the wall to peek out the door. Then the kitchen window shattered as an axe swung through it, catching Mr. Fisher's ribs. Everyone stared as Mr. Fisher dropped the gun, then the candle. The bunny man ripped the axe from Mr. Fisher's ribs, and the old man fell like Goliath. The kitchen towel caught fire, then the wooden cabinets. The bunny man disappeared, his footsteps once again heavy on the porch. Startled, Mrs. Fisher dropped the knife and gasped at her husband, lying on the ground. No! Tippy dove for the knife, and Eddie went for the gun. Mr. Fisher's mouth gaped open and closed, well, like a fish. Eddie trembled, feeling around the floor, and finally spotting the gun under Mr. Fisher's left hip. Fire caught at the angle of his pants and was quickly traveling up. Eddie grabbed for the pistol, and Mr. Fisher caught his hand. Help me, he whispered. Eddie shook off the old man's grasp and snatched at the gun. I'm sorry. And even though he knew Mr. and Mrs. Fisher's evil scheme was to chop him and Tippy to bits and feed them to the bunny man, he meant every word. Mr. Fisher cried out in pain. It burns! It burns! Eddie backed away from the burning flesh of the monster. Eddie! He turned to Tippy who now held Mrs. Fisher's knife. It was bloody. Tippy was shaking. I killed her. I had to. I didn't want to, but I had to. 
She looked about to faint, and Eddie caught her before she fell. He picked her up, still holding the gun, and she wrapped her arms about his neck, still clutching the knife. Hell surrounded them, as well as the smell of burning flesh. Eddie flipped over the kitchen table with his foot, temporarily covering the fire between him and the kitchen door. He ran across it, flung open the door, and escaped into the night air, just as the gas stove exploded. It threw him and Tippy over the porch into the nearby brush. Next thing he knew, Tippy was pulling him up. He could see her lips move, but couldn't hear her words. In fact, he couldn't hear anything. And then he saw the frantic dance of her eyes, the fear on her face, and he knew something or someone stood behind him. In the mirror of her eyes, he saw a slender white figure with two long ears held an axe above its head. And then he made out one word Tippy screamed over and over again. Duck! He dropped to the ground, and she shot the pistol over and over and over. When the gun was empty, she tossed it aside and collapsed on the ground, a tear and snot-smeared mess. He reached for her hand, squeezed it, then slowly looked behind. The bunny man lay in the bushes, six bullets in his white chest. It clutched Tippy's baby blue and now bloody scarf in the four fingers of his left hand. Eddie reached over and plucked it out, then turned to Tippy. Come here, baby. He mouthed the words, but didn't know if he actually spoke them because he still couldn't hear anything. She stretched her arm out to him and he picked her up and carried her to his dodge. She kept saying something, crying into his chest, and he kept walking. At the car, he brushed the glass off the passenger seat, set her down gently, and offered the bloody blue scarf with her name embroidered in pink. She wrapped both palms around his, tears in her eyes, and this time he could make out the word she mouthed. It was, yes. The timing was all wrong, and they both knew it, but he smiled at her, and she smiled back. He left the blue scarf in her hands as he gently shut her car door, walked round to the driver's side, wiped the glass off his own seat, and started the engine. When he glanced over at her, he saw her retrieve something from her skirt pocket and hide it in the scarf. He wasn't sure, but it looked like a finger wearing a wedding ring. She saw him watching and startled, a pleading look in her eye. Eddie decided he didn't want to know what was in the scarf. Whatever it was, Tippy deserved to keep it. He shifted into gear, turned around in the driveway, and left the blazing inferno, along with the bunny man, behind them. Thanks for tuning into the show. If you've enjoyed today's story and want to know more, check out Mavs's website at darksoftlytales.com and click on the podcast tab. Like Mav on Twitter at darksoftlytales or join her Facebook page at Mavsguy. 
Please remember to follow and leave a review on iTunes to keep the podcast going and growing.